Welcome back. It is Tuesday, December 14th, episode 43. First thing I want to do today is talk about how it passed Buffalo, New York. A whole bunch of Starbucks workers, uh, they did the thing, they voted, and they're forming a union. The first of its kind, apparently. So that got me a little interested in Starbucks, uh, which is a heck of a company, and they've pretty much got the majority of the United States enslaved to their product. So apparently, they have a strange model where they don't allow people to franchise Starbucks models, but they do allow you to get a corporate license for one. And what that would be applicable for is if you put it in like a college, a hospital, something like that, where you see those little those little Starbucks type shops that are not the full on standalone place. So apparently there's over 9,000 Starbucks that are specifically owned by their corporate office. But as of 2017, I couldn't find anything newer than that. There's nearly 14,000 in the US. So about 5,000 of those are literally just like your airport Starbucks that you would see around. And those are licensed out to a different entity. They're not owned by corporate Starbucks. So it's going to be really, really interesting if the Buffalo, New York unionization ends up affecting more of the standalone shops that are opened by the uh, licensees. Yeah, Starbucks has, um, I don't know, they got some big decisions to make coming up here. If all these unions start cropping up and then, you know, you got to take a look and see how much you're paying and if it makes more sense to start downsizing your workforce in exchange for automation uh there's they got some uh some pretty interesting business decisions cropping up here in the next i don't know i'd argue a couple months robo lattes baby robo lattes robo latte but then you raise the question if a robot can make my latte why don't i just go home and use a robot the robot in my house my keurig that is significantly <laughs> way too smart no one's gonna do that <laughs> well, Starbucks can afford the fancy Japanese robots that will literally man the window and talk to you and do all that type stuff. And they'll have so many more combinations that can make than your Keurig. I've been kind of thinking about this. I was like, well, one, Americans really don't like interactions with low class workers. Like they just don't. They, for whatever reason, there's so many instances where you open the internet and you see people like bullying these poor workers. And I'm like, what are you doing? But at the same time, they don't trust robots. So. <laughs> How are we going to get around this? It's kind of a stalemate. And I'm sure they're doing this up at all the big corporate offices, you know, Starbucks, McDonald's. They're like, all right, how do we solve this? Well, we have to train our workers better. Well, we can't afford to do that, so we're not going to do that. So what do we do? Can we replace them with robots? Well, we could, but people don't like robots. They like the little touch screens, the little iPads where you just push it and it appears. That's easy. So that's the solution I came up with. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the little, you know, touch screens as well. It, it's pretty nice. Sheets, um, it's a it's a gas station up here in PA, but it's more than a gas station if you've ever been to one. It it, it has a place in my heart. It's a, it's a place where food is made with love. It's just they a gas Wawa. station. It's a gas home. <laughs> it's a gas home? Exactly. That needs uh, trademark, copywritten, whatever it is. That's good marketing. But, yep, exactly. That, we should call them up. But they have, the way they do coffee... They have freshly ground beans in these machines and you go up and you just hit start and then you choose which type of bean and then it grind like you can see the beans and they grind up the beans right there. The robot does and pours your cup right there and you know you get a little froth on top, a little frothiness. It's great coffee. <laughs> I love it. I get it. Sheets is literally just like northern Wawa. <laughs> I mean, it's really good. Yeah. I like it a lot, but that's exactly what it is. Their food's made with love, though. I don't. I've never been to a Wawa, so I can't attest. I don't know how much love goes in there. <laughs> the gas home. 
<laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, all right. I had a quick random thought. I, this is really funny. My roommates and I do this all the time. We're like, all right, you can put the word big in front of like any made up fake industry and it gets really funny. So <clears throat> what happened last night is my buddy's pulling a pizza out of the oven and he's just using a oven mitt and he's got the pizza directly on the rack. I'm a guy who puts mine on the sheet. I put it on the sheet, put it in, good to go. And he's like, no, I told me on the box you could do this. And I was like, that's absolutely a scam by big, um, what was it, big oven mitt. And big oven mitt wants you to, they want you to use your oven mitts more, so you have to buy more. It's a big conspiracy. And we thought that was like the funniest thing ever, just the idea that there could be a giant oven mitt conglomeration constantly scheming against you so that you have to buy more oven mitts. I'm about to blow your mind. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. About big decentralized finance. <laughs> It's Ooh. just it's just a group of dudes with a lot of tattoos on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I think Joe Rogan yep. and Elon Musk are big DeFi. Big DeFi. Big Logan Paul and yeah. Gary V. <laughs> like Gary half, V's in on it. Like half the NFL and a, a lot of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. I thought that was funny. And so then the other one uh, that someone else had this on, but we shared this around where <laughs> Bill Gates had his big prediction that business meetings are going to be primarily ahead in the metaverse or virtual reality in two to three years. And, you know, I just got to say, I'm, I'm pretty proud that we're ahead of Bill Gates. That feels pretty good. We've been having our meetings for, what, a week and a half now, two weeks in a VR. Once we realize we could do it, it's an absolute blast. I got to say, I don't think you get as much done because you're just goofing off the whole time. Could just be us, but it is so much fun. Yeah, it is a great time. And uh, John and I have already been reined in by our other partner. Um, he, he wanted to be more productive than we were being. So we originally started in the uh, VR app. If anyone out there has an Oculus big screen. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, that is a recipe for disaster because you can play with like tomatoes and popcorn and draw. <laughs> that was not productive, but we found a new one. And um, I don't even know what it's called, John. I don't know if you remember, but it's been fantastic. Yep, it's a workrooms beta. And Big Room was a great idea if you're going there to mess around with your buddies and like watch a movie or something. It's not an ideal office. Workrooms is specifically dedicated to be a virtual office. And I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I am all in for this. I'm just imagining John like in this meeting on the first, I guess, Big Room or whatever. It's like midway through, just like pulls out a sword, <laughs> kills Joey. <laughs> And it's not, no, it's not that much. Well, Joey and I figured out you could high five in the middle of the meeting. So, you know, Cody would be talking, we're having a good time and you just hear like a clap, 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 clap. And Joey and I are just high five and it's, it's really satisfying. It's a lot of fun, but it's kind of reminiscent of like, you know, messing around in high school, middle school, where just there's stuff going on and you should be listening, but man, you kind of just want to goof off. Yeah, and you can like throw tomatoes. So I was just throwing tomatoes at Cody's computer screen the whole time. So oh, it was a blast. I mean, it, yeah, it was fun but not as productive as it could have been. <laughs> Bottom line. We're coming full circle though. Like it used to be that like, okay, this meeting could have been an email. And then it was like, well, this in-person meeting could have been a Zoom. Yep. And we're going back to the Zoom could have been an email. That's fair. Yeah, that's actually totally fair. Well, but you can hop in and out whenever you want. So here's what I was picturing. I was like, all right. So I get that everyone's on this whole, the future of work is virtual thing. And I don't fully agree with that because I think it's more of a hybrid where we have to go and do what we have to do. And sometimes there's gonna be different situations you have to deal with. But this is really neat because if your company just has a workroom set up, you can literally pop into the office whenever you want from pretty much wherever you want if you got your thing with you. So say you're traveling and I get that this is not ideal. This is like an extreme scenario. You're traveling, you're in the airport, you're at like a two hour layover that wasn't supposed to happen. So, oh my God, all right, I got a meeting. Instead of the phone call is gonna be a bummer, we can't do this. All right, let's go find like a nice little uh, little private workroom, whatever, and 
just go sit there, put on your Oculus, and you pop in, and boom, you're in the office. Basically the same thing. I don't know. That's my solution. I'm just imagining, like, angry upper or mid-management guys, like, <laughs> in a VR headset, yelling at subordinates in the middle of the airport, like, totally unaware of everybody else around them. But it's also really tough to take someone seriously when they have an animated face. So that could be a problem or a solution, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Maybe. I love it. Okay, that wraps that one up. Let's do cars. We got a bunch of really good stuff. So I want to lead with a quick opinion, and then Matt, and you actually, you both have some really good stuff here that I'm excited for. So I had a quick opinion. I was sitting there thinking, why have I been bored with cars recently? It's because they're all good. It used to be really easy to be like, oh, yeah, this thing sucks because of that, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, back in the day, someone would buy a Hyundai. You're like, why the heck would you buy a Hyundai? You know, it's like the worst thing on the planet. Can't do that anymore. They make really good cars. And you're like, oh, yeah, the Honda beaters. Wait a minute. Hondas are fantastic. Holy cow. What do I do? I have nothing to make fun of. Everything is just good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even the good cars is hard. The what? It's even hard to like differentiate between the good cars because like you said, they're all good. So it's like, okay, what is one feature that makes this one better than the other? And it's like, okay, just find what you like and go find something that has that and then just be happy. Yep. That's what I'm saying. You've got cars from like 2012 that were worth, I don't know, 120,000 bucks back then. They're just fantastic. You're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It's got a four point, it's got a four second zero to 60, all this stuff. And you look over and you're like, oh, okay. So um, the bottom of the tier Mercedes and most Hondas can actually do that as well. Ooh, hmm. Why the heck would you spend all that money when you can get the same thing that made the old thing special? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Do the VW stuff. All right. So this is me. So Volkswagen is kicking out what they call the ID Buzz, which is a new version, a fully electric version of the VW minibus, which was so big in the 70s that our grandparents maybe drove to Woodstock and met our grandmother in and <laughs> conceived our parents in. Anyways, they're going to be uh, kicking this out in 2023. There'll be three different models. They'll have one for cargo, carrying as much as you can, maybe for the people that want to convert it into those campers to travel around the US. One for carrying extra people, kind of like a minivan, and one with autopilot. So you know why you just made me really happy? Why? You gave me something to hate. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> it's so horrible. It doesn't look great. It looks honestly. terrible. <laughs> it looks like the mystery mobile from Scooby Doo. Yeah, it does. That's it. It but, looks like a stretched out smart car, in my opinion. It's literally a stretched out smart car. It just has like an extra four. Oh God, yeah, it's pretty ugly. Well, yeah, I mean, Why it is the mystery push? machine. It's the same thing. That's what they. That's what they used back then. Was the old bug or the old van? <laughs> There'll be stories in the future of ravers that talk about how they conceived their children in the back of a fully electric VW ID buzz. It was on autopilot taking me home from EDC. <laughs> That's all I could think of. The funny thing is, I don't absolutely hate it, but I wouldn't want to spend more than $10,000 on it. It's, so oh, that's the issue. That's horrible. Oh, my God. It is so poorly designed. But to be fair, I've always hated the buses, so I'm biased in my opinion. doesn't matter here. You hated the old buses? Absolutely despise them. Like, they're horrible. Have you driven one? No, I didn't. They're terrible. They're, you can literally turn the wheel about six inches before there's any kind of turn initiated within the vehicle. It's absolutely atrocious. The oh, the transmissions are terrible. They're, like, really good. Oh, just everything about it was bad. And, you know, they don't go over, like, 60 miles an hour. 
But all old cars had a ton of play in the wheel. I mean, you had to spin the old 65 Mustangs wheel like 18 times to turn right. Well, yeah, but we're not talking about that. Those look cool. <laughs> okay, but this looked cool to the hippies. It's the same thing, roughly same time-ish. They were stoned. They don't know what they were doing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I get it. It's it's not for me, but it could be for some people. And I know a lot of people are going to absolutely fall in love with this thing. <clears throat> The cool hippie moms. Yeah, the cool hippie moms, wherever those may be. All right, I got another one for you. Since we're staying on the train of electric cars, Chevy, which we talked about last week, uh, they officially announced the E-Silverado. That's not actually what they're calling it, but I don't think it's horrible sounding, so I'm going with it. It is their electric Silverado. It's going into production in 2023. I mean, like we said last week, this is just so far behind the curve. I have no idea why they were not working on this earlier. Chevy's commercials are so, like... I don't want to say pretentious, but for a car company, they really are. They're like, oh my God, we're so much better than all the other car companies. Look at this. And it's people throwing away their tailgates from their other trucks. And I'm like, well, uh, the F-150 is still the best-selling car of all time, or truck of all time. And the Ram 1500 wins awards because it's like quite literally the best work truck ever you could ever make. It's just unbeatable. So why are you acting this way? And also, you're way behind the curve on electric cars. You need to get your button gear. Yeah, by the time they get to production in 2023, I mean, there's already going to be so much better stuff out there than an E-Silverado. Yeah, Atlas and Rivian are going to be cranking along. Speaking of Rivian, their earnings come out on Wednesday, and I have no idea what to expect. So if you are big bullish on Rivian, you better buy that stock and hope for the best. If you uh, think they've done absolutely nothing since they've gone public, short the heck out of that thing. This is not financial advice. (laughs) (laughs) Have Have they done anything? I have, you know? I have absolutely no clue. It is so surrounded by meme stock craziness that I don't know. It, it is a company that I was so excited about, and it's almost impossible to get good news on it because every time you look up, like you try to look it up and look into it, it's just all these people trying to tell you how to trade the stock. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care about this. I, I want to know, like, are they actually producing things on the road with wheels? That's what I'd like to know. Yeah, I really hoped all these companies would somehow, like, usurp all like the chevy ford and kind of take them down and they would be gone those companies are old we're tired of the gimmicks let's get rid of them and have a new wave of cars but like all the new e-companies are really fumbling the ball here and are just riding the meme wave yeah and well the ones that are going to do well are going to get bought up by the big three and that's just that's you know the circle of company life and it's okay if one rises to the top you're going to have Ford, Chevy, or Jeep Dodge Ram is going to buy one of them and just say, all right, we're sucking your technology up. Pretty much what Ford did with, uh, they did that with Rivian, actually. That's how they got the technology for their Ford Lightning. I want to say, yeah, GMC was Lordstown Motors, and then I don't, I actually don't think Jeep Dodge Ram Chrysler has put a single cent into electrification. (laughs) But I don't know that. Who knows what they're doing over there? I don't even know where they're based. No out. replacement for more dis- or no yeah. replacement for more displacement. Yeah, just more boom, more zoom, more square. <laughs> Beauty. <laughs> Who's Hummer? Who's producing? Who owns Hummer? GMC. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, that is a great point, Joey. Actually, I have, yep, I have to completely take it back. That is their electric truck that they've been putting all their work into. And that thing is going to be an absolute tank and a beast. I got to apologize. Sorry, GMC, Chevy. Yep, you guys are killing it with the Hummer. Keep going. Mm-hmm. The Hummer would have been a sweet car to own back in the day, I think, even though, you know, maybe a little bit of compensation there. It, but, it definitely had a bad brand for a minute and like, you know, yeah. early, early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and South Park and other shows like that definitely didn't help it out. 
But I mean, aside from it just completely destroying our environment, it was a pretty, it was all right, pretty cool car. Well, I mean, the old H1 Hummer, what was that, the 70s, 80s, something like that? That was a, that was a you know, one of its kind kind of thing. It was an army it was Jeep. Literally a Humvee. Yeah. It was the H1 was a military vehicle that they slapped a license plate on. It was like it's good. Gosh. <laughs> it's street legal. Well, it's, you know, to their credit, the new one has like a thousand. It's like what, twelve hundred horsepower, Matt? I think so. Something like that. It's wild. A thousand, twelve hundred. I don't know. It's actually fast. It is like the size of a small tank, a literal tank, and it's fast. So, I'm kind of really excited for it. So in a zombie apocalypse, that's probably the car you want there. Yeah, except the power grid's going to be down. You can't charge it. Uh, so you want? So then you want the '80s Hummer? Yeah. So well, no, because then you get five miles to the gallon. <laughs> I think the, the tech in the H1 Hummers was wild too. Like the H1 Hummers had like air compressors built in. If you had a flat, you'd flip a switch up front, and it would inflate your back right tire if you had low pressure. Oh my God, I did not know that. And they had dual gas tanks where there was a pump between them so you'd fill up one and that could be your primary gas tank for driving around but if you knew you had to go really really long ways or you just knew that you had got three miles to the gallon you'd turn on the pump and it'd pump gas from the second gas tank into the first so you had extra reserve jeez that's kind of awesome i i had no idea (laughs) i'm kind of impressed to be fair you know it was on the military budget and they don't do anything small Mm, it's true yeah well, I'm, you've got me thinking about what the perfect uh, zombie apocalypse car would be, and I actually can't think of it. I, maybe like a, like, like a like a big Jeep Grand Cherokee, probably. Dodge Ram, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's a big truck, but you know the low gas is the issue. Because I'm thinking you're gonna have to go pretty decent distances, and you want to not burn as much gas, but you mm-hmm. also want it to be tough. I don't know. All right, I'll think about that, and we, we'll come back on Friday with all our opinions. How about that? Yeah, it sounds like a plan. Excellent. All right, I have one more electric car news. <laughs> so I found this. I, I was actually looking. I was doing something completely unrelated, and I saw an announcement in 2018 that Infinity announced that they'd be an electric car brand uh, with all new vehicles being either full hybrids or full electric vehicles by 2021. And all I could think of was like, hmm, how's that going, bud? There's absolutely no way that that's true. <laughs> it's just not. I see plenty of the new Q50s and Q60s that are a, it's a six cylinder with a turbocharger and they're fantastic, but it, they're not, they're not hybrids or EV. And, uh, it's a little lie that we kind of let slip through there. Yeah. They got like, uh, I don't know, 20, not even like 18 more days to figure that out. Yeah. No, it says, <laughs> it it says by 2021 They're they're way past that time. That ship has settled. <laughs> So we gotta hold up. We gotta hold Nissan to their uh, their promises a little better. Yeah, hold them accountable for that. That's um, that's a hell of a promise. And I mean, I wonder if that's a little foreshadowing though. Like all these companies telling us they're gonna be carbon neutral or carbon this or all electric, like by 2025, 2030, 2040. These dates just gonna come and go, and they're gonna be like, yeah, we didn't say that. Well, so remember in the past few years, this has happened a bunch. Back when the first companies were starting to say, all right, or Tesla was just becoming a real problem in the car scene. They said, okay, well, there's all this pressure from all the big the companies that make the really awesome sports cars. And they said, well, so what are you guys doing about this? And said, we will never get rid of our V8 line. We will never do it. It's the best thing we make. Two years later, which was like 2019, something like that, they said, we've announced that we will discontinue in making all internal combustion engines by 2030, 2040, something like that. And you're like, you literally just went back on a promise in a year or two. So, but it was for the greater good. So I think maybe we just let those things go. 
Can I be sued for like false advertising in these cases when they make statements like that? I, because like uh, I'd be worried against going up lawyers that are paid by one of the largest companies in the world. I mean, let's say we get a really, really smart lawyer. I mean, you can there's thousands of cases of where these big corporations, especially car corporations, have said, like, we will never do this or this will be done by twenty twenty one. Like I feel like they could just sit there and just go from one case to another. If it hasn't been done before, there's probably a good reason. And I like cars. I don't really want to be, like, excommunicated from the car scene. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, they're like, Ford's like, they went after us. Everybody ban him from buying anything. He's got to walk everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. All right, Joey, you got the next one. Go for it. Yeah, so Toyota, a little controversy going on for them this week. Um, I originally misinterpreted the article. Uh, Toyota has an app where you can remotely start your vehicle. That's a Toyota from the app. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that you gotta pay for that. That costs eight bucks a month or $80 a year, but you could always use your key fob to remotely start your vehicle up until recently. It will now cost $8 a month or 80 bucks a year. So you're gonna have to join that program to even use your key fob to remotely start it, which does not make a whole lot of sense people are uh are getting a little bit upset about this and it's understandably so because key fobs use radio waves to communicate with your car not independent servers that toyota has to pay to you know keep up and active so it makes sense whenever you have to use your phone to start it remotely but why why would you have to pay to use your key fob to start remotely, you're essentially just uh, being squeezed for an extra eight bucks here. I don't know. I'm gonna be really, really bummed if the other car companies copy this because I really enjoy remote starting my car. It's literally just bup, bup, hit the button, makes me really happy. It made my day right there. And I don't pay for that. It's totally free. It's a free service and I think it should be free. I'm gonna be really bummed if other people do that. Yeah. I. I don't really get how they could make, I mean, I get how they can make you pay for it. They can make you pay for anything, <laughs> yeah. but it's radio waves, not servers or Wi-Fi or anything like that. Right. I'm like, there's got to be a way to get around this. Like, can I just wrap my, wrap my key fob in tinfoil so they can't turn it off? Or like, can I just like sign up for the program, like on my car and then turn Bluetooth off from, uh, from my car so they can't update it or anything. And then. Uh, cancel the program so i've got it forever like what's the deal well here's the good news is if you're if you have a toyota and it was manufactured before 2018 you're safe you can keep using your key fob but if it's 2018 or older of a model then you're gonna have to you know reach into those pockets for eight bucks each month if you want to keep remote starting your car with your key fob 2018 or older or 2018 or newer uh, 2018 or newer, I meant. Sorry, I misspoke. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. 2018 or older, then you're you're safe. I can't imagine there's any Toyotas produced nowadays that don't have a remote start feature. It's like such a common thing on new cars. It's a little piece of technology that makes everyone really happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know up here in the north, it's especially nice because you don't got to leave your cold, cold house when it's like 10 degrees outside. You can start your car. Yeah, you get the heater out there. Your car's all warm. You're gonna have an uprising up here in the north against you, Toyota. So watch your backs. Yeah, it's more of a luxury that's down here. <laughs> that's not a threat. Don't come for me. <laughs> Just like we don't give financial advice, that's not a threat. Just a strongly worded statement. Jeez. <laughs> all right, we had a ton of car stuff. That was fantastic. Are you guys ready to move on to investments? Yeah. Okay, I got a fun one. So this is from the Wall Street Journal, and it's it's 
it's an interesting report because there wasn't a lot of direct numbers in there you could really go by. There weren't a lot of direct numbers. It was more of a, well, we've been watching the volume charts and here's what we found. So apparently CEOs and a lot of founding families for large companies are unloading their personal shares of stock in their own companies at crazy high levels. And I've, they didn't report exactly what was happening because there's a lot of private information that you're not allowed to disclose. But the Wall Street Journal says it. I think it's probably 80% accurate. And it would explain why we're seeing such crazy wild levels of market fluctuation, like month to month different, like bull market one month, bear market the next month. Just absolute insanity. And we do exist in a different kind of market nowadays. So I think the retail traders are, well, I do enjoy making fun of them because they do say a lot of stupid things, even though I am one of them. They we they do seem to get be getting really good on the whole buy the dip thing, which is why we see these. And I'm wondering, this is like almost a good thing. You have, you have the old money that doesn't really know what it's doing. It's fearful of the market, so it's unloading so it can consolidate cash. And at the same time as this is happening, the new money is buying up those shares and making a lot of money on the market recovery. Or it's like a rebalancing and redistribution of the wealth. But at the same time, there's just so many macroeconomic factors, including our money supply, which we're going to go over and how much money we've been printing in the last two years. It's too much to determine what the actual outcome of this is, but I think it's interesting to pay attention to. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. But like you said, so many factors. It's a I mean, initially you think good thing, you know, redistribution of wealth, it's going to balance out. But as you said, there's so many factors to take into account here. Right. So I'm going to hop around real quick because I think this is relevant and then I'll shut up for a minute. So Jake Tran, who is, I don't want to, I don't know if I call him a reporter. He's like a YouTuber, but he does a really, really good job and he does accurate reporting. He likes to do conspiracy stuff, which I usually just don't buy into, but he recently reported 80% of the M1 of our money supply was printed since 2020, which I thought it would be fun to do a quick primer on how money supply measurements work. Are you guys familiar with the few ways that we measure our money supply? No, John, why don't you teach me? <laughs> All righty, I'm excited. So we call it the M system and there's a couple things past it, but the only ones you really need to know are M0, which is just the physical cash coins and like checking accounts in existence. Just that number. Then you do M1, you're adding in traveler's checks, savings deposits, and a few other things. M2, which adds a few more ways of measuring it. And then M3, which is the absolute broadest measure of money. 80% of M1, which is just to recap, that all that physical currency, in addition to savings deposits and traveler's checks, 80% of the entirety of M1 was printed since 2020. That's nuts to me. That's a lot. That That's is a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of money printing. They've been working overtime. Yep. Granted, that doesn't count a lot of things like your investment accounts, taxing stuff, and there's, there's way more out there, but still... That's a lot. Okay, I'm done. I've talked way too much. That I, the Ryan Reynolds thing, whoever has it, go for it. That was me. So if you have Hulu like I do, and you're also poor like I am, <laughs> you get ads on Hulu. And one of the ads I see quite frequently is Ryan Reynolds is advertising for Mint Mobile. And as an owner of Mint Mobile, so supposedly he owns 20 to 25% of Mint Mobile, which is like it's branded as like a cost-friendly prepaid phone provider. Mm -hmm. And I'm not exactly sure why he would get into this at all. 
It's Ryan Reynolds. He owns his own gin company because he thought it would be fun. Yeah. He's just a goof. Yeah, I, it's, it's unique, you know? He's, he's doing something that other celebrities aren't necessarily getting involved in uh, for the common man, I'd, I'd imagine. Also, prepaid phone, does that mean you... St- what do you have to pay for in that plan? I don't really understand. I'm not exactly... It, they had different plans on there where it's basically like, okay... Like, when I thought of prepaid, prepaid originally, I thought of, like, track phone. But no, it's like, okay, you prepaid $35 a month to get you unlimited texting, calls, or whatever. And then there's different levels of data that you can have. Got it. So iPhones for the common man. Yes, and I think they can still have iPhones and that type of thing. But I was like, I don't, I didn't particularly understand why he picked Mint Mobile of all things. Like, I hadn't seen them prior to his commercials, and I know there's a bunch of these cost-friendly prepaid phone providers that you see, especially in small towns. They go up in strip malls. You can go get whatever phone, like Cricket and a few others. Yep. But and they just kind of bandwagon on top of the networks of other companies, I guess, on top of Verizon, AT and T, whatever they use their towers and such. But like. I, I don't see the profit in this necessarily. I don't think it's going to grow. I is, think it's probably going to be around and then die just like the others do. Is he a founder? No, he just bought into it. Like, he wasn't the founder of Aviation Gen either. He bought into that. I did not know that. I have been wrong for quite a long time, apparently. Who did he buy that from? Or buy into it with? I don't know. Okay, so someone researched that because I'm curious about that too. I really did think he was the owner there. So... All the big cell companies don't make their money off direct sales. They make their money because they have so many people indebted to them for so long. And they're like, yeah, you can have this phone. You just have to pay it off over the next three years. And within a year and a half, a new phone's going to come out. And they're like, oh, we'll let you switch up. And you're just going to pay us $5 a buck more, a month more for the same plan you had for the three years. So their whole business model is just trying to get as many people loaded up on plans so they can predict where their income is going to be in a year and a half two years three years four years it's not direct sales sure they do make money selling a thousand bucks on that iphone but they probably had to pay i don't even know how much for it to get it from apple so and apple as we know charges everyone out the butt but that's that's the point of this business so he you know it's an income generating business and think of all the people who could who can't afford phones that have phones because they're able to pay it off over five years and then just trade up every single time you don't actually own that phone you know you're at&t or the bank owns that phone but you're able to use it and have it and your life is significantly improved because of it yeah here I, i'm on their website right now and checking it out a little bit here it's uh it's interesting so the the newest if you want an iphone uh, the newest phone you can get is the iPhone 12, which is is still pretty recent. I mean, the yeah. iPhone 13 just came out, so it makes sense why they wouldn't have that yet. But you're paying $31 a month for the iPhone 12. Uh, if you wanted a Galaxy, then you can get away with 15 bucks a month, which is is pretty interesting. And it's funny, on this page, or on their website, they literally have an entire page that just says Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> it says about mobile, and then it has like who we are, careers, reviews, and then just Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So if you click that, then it goes into his involvement and it's got a little quote from him here. He says, while every other tech Titan is off chasing rockets, I'll corner the budget friendly wireless sector. Like most people, I only use rockets 10 to 12 times a year, but I use my mobile service every day. Dude, he's, so he's that's so why funny. he's in it. He's so funny. <laughs> it says on a crisp, partially cloudy day back in November, 2019, Ryan Reynolds became more than just a mint mobile user. He became the owner. He so, sells. Everything he does sells. 
He's so funny. Yeah. I looked up the aviation gin, and it was made by a distillery called House Spirits Distillery from Portland, Oregon. And then basically it was sold to a New York distributor called Davos Brands. Then at that point, Ryan Reynolds bought in. And since it was sold off to Dia Geo, oh, Dia which Heo. is the brand that owns they're Smirnoff. Yeah, and they're enormous. supposedly Ryan Reynolds still owns part of it. So that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, Diaheo or Diaheo, I forget how you pronounce it, but they are ginormous. They're, I believe, a British company, and they own a whole bunch of the really big brands. Yeah, they own Smirnoff, Johnny Walker, and Tanqueray, the other gin. Tanqueray, yeah, Tanqueray's pretty good. Tanqueray 10 is awesome. I was going to ask, do you guys like gin? No. Oh, no, no. Not at all. It's just like better vodka. I no. <laughs> I will only drink gin if it's in a uh, a mojito because of Fat Castle. <laughs> a gin mojito. It's. I think you need minimum of two divorces to enjoy gin. I enjoy gin, and I've not been divorced once. <laughs> or or at least two baby daddies, something like that. Okay. To be fair, I only like decent gin. I don't like bad gin. So. I typically like everything that Kirkland puts out, even though it's usually a little cheap. I recently got their gin to try, and I absolutely hated it. It was it was beyond terrible. I have not tried aviation. I'd like to, but Ten Gray is just fantastic. Like Ten Gray on the rocks, a splash of soda water with a lime is like the most refreshing thing on the planet of all time. It's just delicious. So you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hop up my high horse and have a glass of gin and uh, see you guys later. It literally tastes like you took a cedar plank of wood, soaked it in water, and then sucked on it for an hour and a half. I don't know what gin you're drinking, but it's it's the wrong kind. <laughs> All right. It's not good. It, apparently not for you. That's fine. Whatever, whatever. You're a whiskey guy, and I can respect that. I'm also a whiskey guy. All right. Okay, let's do the Mercedes one. Who's got that? Oh, that was me. So Mercedes got the first full uh, hands-free autopilot approval for their drive pilot program. So basically there's international guidelines for like how full hands-free can work and all that type thing. And they're the first company to get this. But the sad part of it is, is it'll only be able to be used in Germany on the roads that they've mapped out and proved that it's okay on. And you'll be locked at a speed limit of 37 miles per hour and under. And we'll only see in the S class models starting in 2022. Is it going on the EQS? I don't know if that counts as an S-Class. I don't know. Okay. It didn't state that. That's like their brand new hotshot uh, electric sedan. It's supposed to be really cool. Huh. Well, it makes sense. They're building on the they're building on the infrastructure of, hey, look, like a satellite can map out all these roads and we can go from there. That, that's probably realistically the best way to do it. And I, I've said it would make perfect sense if certain cities offered autopilot as an incentive for you to be there, not a company offering it because Tesla autopilot just doesn't work. It's horrible. But if you came into like Austin, which is, you know, a hot tech hub and it's like, all right, Austin, the city put a big investment in there and now Elon's there. So, all right, Austin offers Tesla autopilot. While you're in there, we've already figured out all the traffic patterns, the lights, the roads, and it can handle itself there. I, w- I would expect like LA, Austin, New York, Chicago, big, big tech hubs and investment hubs. That would make sense. Orlando, maybe soon. I mean, I think for the time being, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to just limit autopilot to the highway. I mean, that would be great. I definitely see his highways going full autopilot by like 2050 at the latest. I sure hope where, so. Where like you hop on the highway, 
your car automatically takes over. The cars can go at 120 miles an hour because you don't have some douche in a oh Mercedes gosh. or broken Honda that's weaving in between traffic. Yep. But they all communicate with each other. They all move. There's no traffic jams. It knows there's an accident 120 miles ahead and preemptively moves over to the uh, lane where it's not going to be. Uh, every single day as I commute back and watch roughly 5,000 people probably on my way there all make the wrong decisions every single time and make everything worse, I agree. I think the same thing. Humans are just really, really bad at handling that stuff. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. concerned. They're like, they're like, the computer doesn't know what it's doing. It's going to kill us. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, going, you're actually hurting us. You guys are the problem here. <laughs> oh. Gosh, I'm ready for it. Let's get let's get an extra lane and let's have everyone who has those do that and get to their destination quicker. It would free up so much room. You don't gotta do it, yeah, it's literally instead of the high occupancy vehicle lane, it's the autopilot lane and the car is gonna drive at 120 miles an hour because it's doing everything for you. Yep. Makes sense to me. I'm sold on it. Yep. All right. I had one more, two more thoughts, super quick, and then we're going to move on to crypto. We got a nice big breakdown there, and then we'll wrap up if that's all right. Sounds yeah, good. it works. Perfect. I'm curious. Do you guys actually know or like, are, so all these Instagram accounts that follow me, and they're all obviously like fake or scams. They're all, they're all definitely scams. There's, it, 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 it's like a, a name underscore last name underscore trader or Forex or something like that. Are they real people? Because their accounts make them look like they're real people. And I, I know they're all scams, but I, I just don't know. I'm curious. They have to be robots, I feel like. I don't know how it works, but I get at least five messages a day. And I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed because I have to go into my messages, hit delete all. like It's so frustrating. Um, messages, and, and they're literally all, like you said, come trade with me. This NFT is about to take off to the moon, bro. Get in on this. And yep. I'm like, I'm going to off myself. Yeah, none of it's real. And then you see once in a while, one of your friends will get hacked by one of these people and they'll post something that's clearly not them. And you have to text them and be like, hey, yo, your account got hacked. Check your bank account. Make sure you're okay. Ah. Why can't people just work? It's it'd be so much easier. Like scamming sucks. <laughs> that make too much sense. That make way too much sense. Make too much. But um thoughts, Matt. But here or keep going, Joey. No, no. If Matt, if Matt has any thoughts on that, I was gonna say I did find out um how Ryan Reynolds ended up acquiring Mint Mobile, who he got it from. I'm curious. Yeah. So Mint Mobile started as a subsidiary of another wireless company called Ultra Mobile by a guy named David Glickman. Huh. And his managing partner Rizwan Kasim, and then um, in 2019 it was announced that Mint Mobile would be spun off from the parent company Ultra Mobile and would become Mint Mobile LLC. And it was during that announcement that it was revealed Ryan Reynolds had acquired an ownership stake in the new company, and uh, he's since been the face. And and just some fun facts about it too, about a couple of the ads they've run. It, it's pretty funny. They took out a uh, commercial in the second quarter of Super Bowl 53 in 2019 um, about chunky style milk. Not sure how that has anything to do with their services. But then in Super Bowl 54 the next year, they took out another ad, uh, except this time in the New York Times. And it explained why they weren't buying a Super Bowl ad that year. And it said, <laughs> this was all Ryan Reynolds says, I love ads, except when they cost $5 million per 30 seconds. Yep. So instead of creating a pricey ad trying to convince people to try Mint, we're going to let them try it for free. Um, and then 
on last year's Super Bowl, five days before the Super Bowl, they took out a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal stating that once again, they were not going to be purchasing a Super Bowl ad. Instead, they increased data limits of all plans free of charge for all their users. That's such great marketing. Oh, that makes me very happy. I love that. Yeah. And then um, another guy, uh, Christopher Sebola, he's an Oregon-based comic book writer, jokingly tweeted at Ryan Reynolds asking if he could buy another full-page ad just for his dog. So Mint Mobile bought a full-page ad in the Oregonian, which is an Oregon-based paper, and all it was was a picture of this writer's dog. That's so funny. Is he based out of Portland? (laughs) It would make perfect sense. Um, I would imagine. I don't know much about the Oregonian. Uh, Let's see here. Newspaper based in Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. If I had to guess that there was a comic book writer in Portland trying to bribe Ryan Reynolds to get him to take a page out. (laughs) I just, that that all makes sense. That all checks out. (laughs) Yeah, it all checks out. But all right, there's a little tangent on Ryan Reynolds and a history lesson of Mint Mobile. I think that's hilarious. And again, that's just terrific marketing. Gosh, he's so smart. Yeah, he's a marketing genius. If he wasn't famous, I mean, he would definitely have a career in marketing. Well, and he'd get famous pretty quickly because he's a funny, good looking dude. Yeah, and he's pretty good at it. All right. One more super quick one. Apparently, so you know, you know what spam is, right? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what spam is. Yeah. So we we apparently just this month achieved record high spam sales for the seventh year in a row. And this from the Morning Brew. I don't I don't know why I thought that was relevant, but I thought that was such a funny, like, just every single year for the last seven years, we've sold more spam. I, why? <laughs> I thought we so, were trying to eat healthier. I think I got a conclusion why. And like spam is actually big in at least Hawaii and some of the Asian countries too. Oh no. Where they put it in a lot of their, they make like spam sushi rolls and that type thing. And I've seen it a ton on like TikTok, Instagram reels, that type stuff, foodie accounts and that type thing. And I'm like, I don't know why this is on here. No one really wants to eat spam. I've seen it on the shelves forever, but I've never bought a single can in my entire lifetime. But I think that's caused a bunch of people to buy it just to see what it's like. What if they can make these little spam sushi roll like things that are made in Hawaii? I think that's the reason. So it's literally just a meme. It's a meme and it's done good marketing for the company and caused sales to go up. Yeah, that's like such a happy happening for that company because there's no way they attempted to do that. It just happened. Yeah, like a canned log of meat that we don't know if it is is worse than a hot dog. I, I'm just not about it. It's pretty gross. I have no desire. But, I mean, to be fair, we, we eat a lot of really gross stuff we just don't see. Yeah, I'm sorry we just lost our spam sponsorship. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm fine with not having a spam. Actually, you know what? We could be sponsored by spam. Why not? <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather have Oscar Mayer hot dogs. We are the canned yeah. meat of podcasts. We, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the dinner you wanted, but it's the dinner you're getting and you can afford. <laughs> That's not good marketing. No. no, no, it's terrible. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So let's do it. Uh, rolling over in her grave. Or not her grave, she's alive. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Thank Shaking God. Shaking her head hey, on yeah. her drive to work. You better go knock on some wood right now. She's a very nice person. Yeah, she's hearing us promote ourselves as a spam podcast, and she's thinking, what are they doing? Well, to be fair, the majority of things we say, we get the similar reaction, so. All right, let's do the Web3 breakdown. We definitely have time for it. I don't know who put it up, but I say go for it. Yeah, so last week, uh, I know we touched or mentioned Web3, and, and I said we'd do a little breakdown of it this week. 
Um, so we're just going to start with the basics here. Um, Web3, little history lesson. Web3 was originally called the Semantic Web by the guy who created the World Wide Web. His name's Tim Berners-Lee. And its whole goal was to be a more autonomous, intelligent, and open internet. Now, you can expand the definition as data will be interconnected in a decentralized way, which is a huge leap forward from Web2, which is where we are today, um, for the most part, where data is mostly stored in centralized repositories. So, this is massive because Web3 is aimed at decentralization. Um, furthermore, users and machines are going to be able to interconnect or interact with data. But for that to happen, programs need to understand information both on a conceptual level, level and contextual level. With that in mind, the two cornerstones of Web3 are semantic web and artificial intelligence, so AI. Um, so Web3, it will operate through decentralized protocols, which is where cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFT, all that filters in. But I'm not here to today to talk to you about the blockchain yeah. stay tuned uh we're gonna have a little web series coming out here hopefully narrated by john where you can learn everything you want to know about the blockchain uh it will be simple enough for a five-year-old to understand indeed i am about a five-year-old <laughs> yeah so a little history lesson we're gonna start at web 1.0 just so that way you can understand what web 3 is where we started and where we are today so web 1.0 was from 1989 to 2005 and it was called the static web it was the first and most reliable internet in the 1990s despite only offering access to limited information with little to no user interaction back in the day creating user pages or even commenting on articles was not a thing web 1.0 did not have algorithms to sift internet pages which made it extremely hard for users to find any relevant information simply put it was like a one-way highway with a narrow footpath where content creation was done by a select few and information came mostly from directories so that's where we started um pretty basic uh then we got to web 2.0 in 2005 and that's where we've been to very recently, we've been slowly moving into Web 3.0, but still for the most part, we're in Web 2.0. We're, we're in that weird between phase. Um, so Web 2.0 is also known as the social web, uh, made the internet a lot more interactive thanks to advan advancements in web technologies like JavaScript, HTML5, CSS3, etc., etc. And all of these enabled startups to build interactive web platforms. Uh, think of these as your YouTubes, Facebooks, Wikipedias, everything along that line. This paved the way for both social networks and user-generated content production to flourish, since data could now be distributed and shared between various platforms and applications. Uh, the set of tools in this internet era were pioneered by a number of web innovators, um, like the aforementioned Jeffrey Zeldman. Uh, I don't know Jeff, but if you want to learn more about him, give him a quick Google search. He was apparently instrumental in creating Web 2.0. But now we come to Web 3.0, which is going to be the next stage of the web evolution. And it would make the Internet more intelligent or process information with near human-like intelligence through the power of AI systems that could run smart programs to assist users. Um, Tim Berners-Lee, the guy I originally mentioned that created the World Wide Web, said that the semantic web or web 3.0 is meant to automatically interface with systems, people, and home devices. As such, content creation and decision-making processes will involve both humans and machines working together. 
This would enable the intelligent creation and distribution of highly tailored content straight to every internet consumer. So a little scary, but that's where we are today. I'm and go ahead. Just to finish it off, there are four key features of Web 3.0. Uh, they are ubiquity, semantic web, artificial intelligence, and 3D graphics. And uh, that is, that's where we are. I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to cut you off because you were you were rolling through that thing, crushing it. I just, I think it's so absolutely wild that within 30 years we've gotten from the narrow pathway to now where we're debating the ethical use of smart contracts. <laughs> like, it is such a short period of time in history for, to go so far. It's unbelievable. I'm so glad we're alive. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a crazy time to be alive. And, and just to further break down what I just said about the four points that Web 3.0 involves, um, if, if, you don't, if people out there don't know what they mean, uh, ubiquity, it means being or having the capacity to be everywhere, especially at the same time. In other words, you could be omnipresent. Uh, semantic web, semantics is the study of the relationship between words. So that's what that means. I'll put it together with web and do one plus one equals two. Um, artificial intelligence. Um, I don't know how best to explain AI, <laughs> I but don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. Essentially it's, what is it like the computer's brain? I don't know. Computer um, that can imitate human thought process. How about that? Yeah, that works. And then spatial web and 3d graphics. Um, some futurists also call web 3.0, the spatial web. And it aims to blur the line between the physical and the digital worlds by revolutionizing graphics technology. So think like almost virtual reality. And that is where we are today. Jeez, a lot to think about. I'm glad you did that too. So ubiquity is a word that I actually had no idea what it meant, but omnipresent makes sense. And that's something that a lot of marketers talk about these days is if you wanna be a proper brand, you do have to be omnipresent. If you, you know, if you get interactions, you have to be able to respond to them quickly whether that's through a smart contract, any of these new tools we developed, or like a physical intern doing this themselves. So that's interesting. I learned something. You, you taught me a lot today, Joe. Good. Good. I'm happy I could help because uh, I was interested myself in, in, you know, breaking down Web 3.0 further just from conversations with you and other people were involved with in various businesses. Uh, it's just, I feel like it's a good thing to understand where we're headed because like I said, Web 3.0 kind of exists right now, but we're in that awkward phase uh, where we're just hitting puberty and it, you know, it hasn't fully developed yet. And we're still kind of one foot in Web 2.0 and one foot in Web 3.0. Well, so many people have gotten used to how Web 2 works. We're, we're, we've accepted it in our minds as this is X, X means Y, and that's it. They equal each other and they're good to go. Web 3, you kind of have to rewrite everything you know because the process is entirely different. And that's very difficult. That's something that I really wasn't on board with until, I don't know, God, maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. And it's something I mean, this is going to be our generation's uh, PS de resistance. Yeah, literally. <laughs> or Mona Lisa. This is what we're going to create. And you know, in 2030 years, the next generation, they'll probably bring web 4.0 shit it could come even sooner, maybe 15. Who knows? That'd be crazy. But all right. Yeah, that was a heck of a deep dive. I love it. Do you so do you have a source for all that information I can tag? Yeah, I can link it. It's a great article on, uh, it's called coinmarketcap.com. Um, it was written by a guy named Werner Vermock uh, about a week ago, actually. So I will send it over to John. You can link it in the show notes. Uh, there's a lot, it's an extremely long article, a lot more information than what I just broke down for everyone. So if you're interested in learning more, go ahead and give uh, 
give their article a read. Yeah, throw it in the show notes. That'd be fantastic. I'll make sure I post that. Okay. So last thing I got is we got Florida Man of the Day, and I have a fun Tuesday reading that I was also going to post that I'll explain real quick. It's a fun topic, but let's do Florida Man real quick. I thought this was funny. I This is a fun experiment that has taught me that I do have to check these things before we do them because a lot of the Florida Man stuff is definitely not something that I would like to talk about publicly. It's kind of a mess. People do some really stupid stuff, but this one was funny, and I enjoyed it. So the article is called – let me pull it up real quick – Oh, that didn't work at all. One second. It's a local Florida man captured on camera trying to break gas station door in order to steal Pepsi. And I'll read the story in one second. As soon as I can pull it up. Okay, it's not working. Point being, this guy guy really wanted a Pepsi, I guess. (laughs) He was going... And yeah, the guy was like, yeah, you got to pay for that. And he said, and he didn't say anything. He just like kept trying to open the door. So the guy locked the door. And eventually the dude picked up a fire extinguisher. And the guy was like, wait, I don't care this much. And just opened the door and he got out. And the cops found him drinking his Pepsi walking down the road. And I was like, man, dude really wanted a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what would you do for a Klondike bar, right? Yeah, that's what, what I was you thinking. Do for I was like, a Pepsi? This is pretty good, pretty good marketing for the brand. It is. It is. They should maybe reach out to this guy and, and create an ad campaign around it. I know Pepsi has created worse ad campaigns. They, um, oh, they have if some anyone's interested. Ones. Yeah, I was gonna say if, you're, if anyone's interested in some of the worst ad campaigns of all time, just Google Kylie Jenner Pepsi. Yeah, that and, uh, you'll find that one. That was that. That was not a good. Uh, that and then the Burger King one right after where they said we believe all women belong in the kitchen, and I was like, all right, yeah. well, I see what you were doing here, but that was poorly executed. <laughs> I Someone see where you were going. Fired over that one. <laughs> yeah, this this had really good intentions behind it, and it was really really poorly done. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yep. All right. So the last thing I have Tuesday reading, I'll link this as well in the show notes. It is a Substack from a guy whose last name is Warzel. I forget. You'll see. I forget his first name. You'll see it whenever you go in there. He did an interesting article on what if people don't want a career. And so this is a big topic that our generation I think is dealing with a lot. And they say, well, the old way of doing industry and work and business was, well, you had a corporate ladder, you climbed the ladder, and 50 years later, you're good to go and can do whatever the heck you want for the next 20. That's what you got. I, our generation is like like rejecting that en masse, and that's why we have this massive work exodus, and it's creating problems that we do have to solve, and because it, it's not it's not possible for us to exist in a first world environment if no one does any work and nothing gets produced and nothing is done. It, it the world does not work that way. There's there's things to fix. So either way, it's a long winded way of saying I think it's worth a read. I really enjoyed it, so I'll link it in the notes. I hope you enjoy. But other than that, Joey, got any quotes? Um, you know, I was going to read a, a fairly long-winded quote today, but I think it'd be better if uh, listeners just went out there and looked at it. If they were interested, go to YouTube and just search Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Let me, pull, let me pull it up. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross speech. It's about eight minutes long. You won't be disappointed if you listen to it. It's one of the greatest movies of all time for uh, for sales and business uh, in particularly. And it's uh it's it's a great little speech there. Make it even easier. I'll link that as well in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Easy enough. All right. I love it. Uh you guys got anything else or are we wrapped up? All good. Yeah, good for me. Fantastic. All right. So I know this is a day early. We're gonna be doing Tuesday shows for till when? February or something like that? 
March? Uh, yeah, we'll be normal on the Tuesday shows, um, unless something pops up for one of you guys. But come February, my class will now be on Thursday evening. So we just may need to start recording on Mondays and Wednesdays instead or something like that. All right, we'll figure it out. Regardless, you're going to get Tuesdays and Friday shows for the next couple months. So I hope you enjoy, and we will see you on Friday. Yep, see you Friday. See you Friday.